this is the Cultivate and Keep podcast. You got Corey Haynes here. And your boy, Jeremy LeBon. We've got a funny uh, audio setup here today because Jeremy and I are going to be uh, sharing a mic. We are not audio engineers is what we've been uh, figuring out and finding out. But it's all for good reason because we have a special guest today, Mr. Jeremy Chan. Hello. Thank you. Hello, hello. Straight from Africa. You're not from Africa, but you just came from Africa. Flew in about two days ago. Yes, 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 yes. Um, so we have a special episode today. Uh, we want to bring amazing, cool guys uh, that can be role models for other men in society and around the world. And so Jeremy has a really cool story, and we're going to get into that. But I um, uh, just want to give you guys the format for today. So basically, it's just going to be a conversation. We want to get to know Jeremy, his testimony, um, how and why he went to Africa and why he's back here now, um, how we had the privilege of talking to him today. Um, and uh, yeah, Jeremy, do you have anything to add? Okay, cool. So uh, let's just jump right into it. So um, before we get into Africa, everything like that, I want to start, I actually don't know your testimony very much. I want to go like all the way back, like back even to like before you were born. Start us. In the womb. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, first of all, who are you? You're, you're Jeremy Chan. Okay, yeah, start us off there. Yeah, thanks, Corey, for the introduction. Yes, and, uh, glad to have you here. Yeah, that was good. Uh, my name is Jeremy Chan, born and raised in Los Angeles. Okay. Um, spent some time up in Mammoth Lakes, which is in the Eastern Sierras, and then got married and moved down to San Diego. And that's kind of the beginning of the end. That's the beginning of the end. Yeah. Yeah. So that was like a super abbreviated version, but tell me about your family, your upbringing. I mean, do you have siblings, your school? I mean, tell me everything. Yeah. I'll do the best I can. So I grew up in a family of five, one older brother, one younger sister in suburban LA. Um, San Fernando Valley, 818. <laughs> and um, yeah, so I grew up there, went to a private Christian school my whole life, from preschool through high school. But my parents are not Christians. Hmm. Um, they were under the impression that, you know, a private school curriculum is a little bit better, a little more um, valuable than a public school education. Yeah. So they put us academically. In a but naturally, with a private school, we took religion class every day chapel every week things like that and even to get into the school we had to get a signed like confirmation letter from our church pastor so the only reason why we started going to church was to just get the recommendation letter oh. signed <laughs> wow wow yeah. um but because of that i was just naturally exposed to god and jesus and you know all the christian jargon you hmm. that we know of and um but I never personally took it super serious or anything like that. I never went to youth group. I never went to camps or anything. Yeah. And my parents never really, again, they're not Christians. Um, my mom is a, is a, like a Southeast Asian Buddhist, not mm -hmm. Taoist, but you know, I guess there's, there's a difference between Buddhism and Taoism, but okay. anyway. Well, is there like a super abbreviated version? Like what, when you say that she's a Buddhist, like, is she... I mean, like, what what is she? Yeah, so she, so we always had, like, a shrine in the house that she, like, prayed oh, wow. to in the morning and gave, like, burn incense and gave offerings and stuff like that. And then my dad is a little bit of an enigma hmm. because he grew up going to a Catholic primary and secondary school, and it just kind of turned him off to the whole idea of religion. Hmm. But then there were times where he was, like, praying to the Buddha or something, to the shrine, not, like the real actual Buddha. Okay. Okay. So, um, so it was always kind of like, it was just always in the house. It wasn't like weird or anything necessarily. Cause it wasn't like one day they woke up and said, we're going to put a shrine. In a it was just Buddha always the there. House. Yeah. 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 And, uh, was this when you were like a little, little kid or when you were in high school? Did oh, I this continue? was my whole life. Okay, your whole life. Yeah. My whole life from when I was born until when I moved out of the house. So in high school, um, in elementary school, it was like that. But, and then God's like working in the background because I'm going to this private school from like preschool all the way through high school and I'm getting exposed to all this stuff. The same exact school? The same one? Uh, yeah. So, I mean, it was different. The pri the preschool. Right, right. You know, it's like different elementary school and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. But, but it's, it's the same program, the same organization does the same K through 12? No. The same okay. school was... Um, it was... K through sixth grade. 
Okay. It was like the same school and then the same school for seventh grade through 12th grade. Okay. So yeah. Okay. Okay. So almost. Yeah. 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 Um, and then, so I was kind of like, you know, nominal Christian hmm. and when people ask me the question of when did you accept Jesus as your savior? I do remember one time driving in the car with my parents and I remember even like where we were cause I, there was a seven 11 on the corner of Devonshire and Balboa <laughs> right at a stoplight. Eight one eight, throw it up. <laughs> and, um, and I just, I just remember vague, like just blatantly saying like, Jesus, I accept you as my savior. Just, and that was it. Just I don't right know there. where we were going. Like out loud or like in No, in my heart. Okay. My heart, my mind, yeah. whatever. You know, if I said it out loud, I don't know what my parents would have done. Hmm. Probably turned around and smacked me in the face. <laughs> I'm like, what are you saying? Interesting. Yeah. How, how old were you? I am 32. No, how old were you when you Oh, I was uh, probably about five or six. Oh, okay. Wow. So I don't even, I yeah, don't know yeah. like what stimulated that or, yeah. or drove that because I wasn't, you know, at five or six years old, I'm not thinking super serious about my salvation. Right. Or who this God guy is. That is interesting, though, because you were so young and you remember that. Like, I don't know if I remember anything when I was that young. Yeah, and the thing is, I don't remember a lot from when I was young. Yeah. I have, like, a really bad memory. And so for one of these to be one of those memories, I think it is maybe, you know, God's way of huh. keeping me, uh, I don't know, Yeah, honest. I mean, yeah, he was, he was obviously working your life. And mm-hmm. Okay, so you were... So six years old, you say that you accept Christ, but then sort of going forward, you were like more of like a nominal Christian. You were just kind of a Christian by default. Like that's just kind of the environment that you were in, the circumstance, all your, I'm assuming your friends were probably Christian. Um, but what was there a time where it just sort of like there was a decision or maybe there was like a, a turning point where you're like, actually, I'm, I'm going to really take this serious. I actually am going to live as a Christian. Yes. There were a couple of episodes in my life where that happened. The first one was in high school when I was a junior, and I actually, it was because of a girl. Interesting. Typically, <laughs> always. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Stupid uh, boys. That's actually happened recently, too, with, with my wife, not a mm, girl. Right, right, right. Anyway, back to the story. So I dated this girl who was, like, very into going to church and whatnot, and so that just, you know, motivated me and encouraged me to be more mm. serious. And then... You know, that was my junior year, and I knew after high school I wasn't going to be going to a private Christian college. So I knew I had to be more intentional with with everything. Like, I wasn't going to have religion class every day. I wasn't right. going to have chapel every week. And so I knew if I let myself go, the world would just suck me in. So I started going to a, um, a college group ministry at my local church, and didn't get plugged in there really, but you know, became friends with a lot of people there and became more involved. And, uh, and that kind of just fizzled out over the next couple of years for various reasons. Um, Hmm. yeah, just various reasons. And, um, and then, but it was still like a point where I think God really got a hold of me pretty strongly. And he still had kind of like that, that stronghold in your life or like that, there was, he still had like a place in your heart, right? Even though maybe you weren't like living or maybe there was sort of like some sort of kind of fallout. There was still like, there was something there, right? Yeah, yeah. He definitely planted like a huge seed yeah. in that season in my life because um, after that, I, um, I'm trying to think now. It kind of just left my mind. But um, but after that, I realized, again, I, I just needed to take my life a little more. Not that I was like doing anything wrong or bad, but I just needed to take my salvation a little more seriously, hmm. my relationship with God a little more seriously. So going to this college group and then going off to college and doing all these things, following this typical path of, you know, high school, college, career, et cetera. Yeah. And, um, and this kind of goes into like now more of my story, but when I finished college or when I was in college, action sports was a huge booming industry. Mm. It's like skateboarding, surfing, snowboarding, yeah. and all of that which is what I love to do. Like yeah. snowboarding and surfing are just like, it's hard living in Kenya because <laughs> I can't do these things. And that's why I spent all day at the beach yesterday yeah. the after we got back. But, uh, so I'm doing all these things, you know, and, and working for companies like X games and Red hmm. Bull while I'm going to school and stuff like that. And, um, and it's like, I have this opportunity to grow my career in this industry which is a very worldly industry. Yeah. My pie yeah. next to like entertainment at Hollywood. It's, it's pretty dark, you know? 
So I had my this opportunity to grow in these industries and in this company, and then, um, but at the same time, I had started volunteering for this nonprofit youth camp in Mammoth Lakes, hmm. which is like a huge snowboarding mecca. Um, that is where we met him, huh? Yeah. What? I said that's where we met you. I'm pretty sure. In Mammoth. Yeah. Oh, at the uh, leader retreat. Yeah, we had like a leadership retreat. No, I actually wasn't there at that one. I swear you were there. No, I, I but I was the reason. Well, you I came was, up. No, you came up. I, th- I feel like you came up. No, because you know why? Really? Rihanna was there. Yeah, I remember you. I wasn't there. I was in, I think I was in China working <laughs> an event. <laughs> Sounds about right. Yeah. So, <laughs> wait a minute. I'm not Chinese for the record, for all of you listeners. Japanese. No. My mom is from Thailand and my dad's from Malaysia. Really? Yeah. So you're I'm pretty exotic. <laughs> I'm Asian. American just Asian okay just Asian is that what you preferred like what (laughs) we don't see any color here we don't see any race okay (laughs) anyways yeah you're working in action sports so okay yeah I kind of jumped around a little bit so after high school I went to college and then I didn't know what I was going to study so I picked like the easiest major which is everybody's fallback major which is psychology. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought, Shout out to no the offense to anybody who's a psychology major. Or business, like Or me. business. Yeah. <laughs> the most generic the most generic field of study you can pick yeah, in any college. I know. No offense to anybody. Like, I mean, it's a lot of work going to college, whatever. College, whatever. Yeah. College or whatever. And, um, yeah. But then, you know, I picked up a second major because, I again, psychology. <laughs> <laughs> And I, you know, after that, I didn't really know what I was going to do after college. Like, I didn't think I was going to open up my own psych clinic or anything like that. I wasn't mm-hmm. going to go into the psychology field or sociology field. So I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And then the last, I think it was the last year I was in college, I did a, um, a part-time job for X Games for the summertime, which was almost like a, like a real choice job because, mm-hmm. again, it's like my passion and my desires at the time. Yeah, yeah. And uh, as I was working there, I heard about a, a graduate program in sport management, which hmm. at the time was a fairly new field. So I thought, dude, this is cool. Like if I can, if I can get an education in like this industry that I'm stoked on, then maybe I can get a really rad job and so on and so forth. So when that, um, when that part-time job ended, I enrolled in this program at Long Beach State and, um, and did this like accelerated master's program for sport management wow which was like a really foundational program didn't really go super in depth like an mba or anything like that right um and as i was going to grad school i was working at red bull concurrently hmm. so just working in like customer support stuff but getting a lot of exposure to the entire company you know yeah. all the different yeah. um business groups and things like that so i could see you know what what area did that was like interesting to me? Like that I want to get into culture marketing, that I want to get into athlete marketing, whatever sales, getting a lot of exposure to it all. And I'm there for about two years, you know, as I'm finishing up grad school and I'm thinking, dude, do I just want to like, it's like ideal if I just stay with this company, Yeah. you know? And, and I didn't know if I was going to grow or not because, um, again, I didn't know like what my future was going to be after that. Um, and I was working fairly part-time, like a full load part-time while I was going to school. Yeah, yeah. And when I finished, um, actually, no, before I finished school, I also started volunteering at that youth camp I mentioned earlier. That's right. And that was pretty cool, too, because, um, you know, again, like a, a Christian snowboarding youth camp is what I thought in my mind. And I was like, this is an awesome job, too. Yeah. So I was up there, like, every weekend I had in the winter. Um, all my PTO went towards going up there. And I just built a relationship with those people. And what was really neat was, um, I think it was the training weekend that I went up. We, we had a little worship session, like a singing worship session. Hmm. And I just felt like the Lord really took a hold of me at that, in that moment. Hmm. Um, we were singing how he loves sloppy wet kiss version <laughs> that's like the uncensored version for, yeah for yeah <laughs> living life on the edge yeah <laughs> um yeah so and i just i just broke down like i never felt that way before about hmm. anything when it came to the lord like i never cried for god or anything like that but i did in this moment yeah. and i knew that i knew that i knew that 
God was like doing something here, doing something in me, and this place was going to play a role in that. Hmm. And so that place I knew was just going to be a really important thing in my life. So I'm volunteering, I'm going to school, I'm working, trying to figure out what I'm going to do. Yeah. You know, after all that. And, uh, and so I finished up the school and as I finished up, then an opportunity came up with the youth camp to be brought on board as their marketing director. Hmm. And I was like, one, I'm thinking, dude, marketing director. Yes. It's a fancy title. Yeah, of course. Like fresh college grad. I know for real. Yeah. So I thought, okay, this is pretty, this is pretty cool. Yeah. But then at the same time, Red Bull was like, hey, we actually want to move you up a little bit also. Mm. And I'm thinking, okay, God, like, it's such a typical yeah. you know, choice to make here. Like, do I follow God? What do I feel like what felt like was God? Or do I go with the world, you know? Fork in the road. And um, what's funny is I think I actually made up my mind before I even made the decision verbally. Mm. Like, I told the youth camp, like, this is hands down what I want to do. Because mm. um, in the past couple of years, I'd just seen the Lord work so much, like, I wish we could have a separate podcast of my time there because there's so many stories and testimonies of like the oh. Lord working in this camp and through me and in me and all this stuff. So it was kind of a no-brainer when the decision came up, even though it was it was still difficult because I felt like up until this point, my whole mindset was I want to work for a company like Red Bull. I want to grow my career yeah. in that. And then God's like, let's take all your education and throw it aside and I'll just make like a few hundred bucks a month almost as like an intern in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Middle of nowhere, but you get to snowboard. Yeah. 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 (laughs) As much as you want. (laughs) Um, so that was like really hard and that was not, that was not cool with my parents, especially my dad, Hmm. you know, who would come from nothing and did everything, you know, for himself. So he's, you know, very proud man. And so here's his son who like went to grad school and now it's working for a nonprofit mm-hmm. for like nothing for like a fraction of yeah yeah was that a, a part of the decision like were you actively thinking like shoot if i take this job with red bull my dad's gonna be really happy no questions asked you know it's sort of like your typical like wow jeremy's a real go-getter he's moving up in the world he's got his master's degree and then you're thinking like okay well god's pulling me over here to this youth camp um but was you know, was your dad a, like an active part of that or is it just kind of in the back of your mind? It was definitely in the back of my mind of how active he would be mm-hmm. because um, I did a lot of stuff, I think, in retrospect, I think I did a lot of stuff to to his delight, mm. for lack of a better word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right? Um, to make him proud. Yeah, to yeah. make him proud. And, you know, he's the one telling me what to do. Like, he's not telling me or encouraging me like, hey, if you don't want to go to school, try out trade school. Like that was not even my purview. Hmm. And so going to like school, going to college, all that was because I felt like this is what my dad wants me to do. So I'm going to do it. So for sure, when I made that decision, it was like probably, it was a huge surprise to him and he was not stoked on that. But that was, that was the second moment in my life. The first was that girl who kind of like encouraged me in high school. Yeah. 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 You know? (laughs) Um, But the second was this decision to move to Mammoth instead of stay in LA and work for Red Bull. Hmm. And not that there was anything personal that was bad about working at Red Bull. It's just yeah. a God a God choice. And um, and because of that, like I grew in my faith. I grew in my understanding of the Lord and the gifts of the Spirit and things like that that I never even knew about before. Hmm. And so um, so in that season, I was like for sure growing, you know, with the Lord and in my relationship with Him. Yeah. How old were you uh, when all this was happening? Uh, I moved up to Mammoth. I think when I was 24. 24. Yeah. Okay. So it's still it's still relatively young. Relatively. Um, yeah. I mean, we're we're 23 as of as of recording. Yeah. But I can only imagine like you've already built up and you've already invested a lot. Like you, I mean, you were at Red Bull for what like three years at that point. It was about two years. Yeah. Almost three. Yeah. And then they want to move you up, and and so when you actually made that decision, what was what was the thought of like, okay, this is now my life. Like this is. Was there any part of like, I'm going to do this for this amount of time or I'm going to stay here or I'm going to move up or do something else maybe after? Or was it just like, this is what I know God wants for me right now? Yeah, it, I definitely was naive. I mean, I, I think like a lot of like younger folks, whether guys or girls, I think there's a lot of naivety in that particular age. No offense. Um, 
No. But uh, but yeah, I thought like I'm gonna live forever. I'm a little offended, but <laughs> well, sorry. Right. We can make up later. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think I was I was for sure a little naive because I moved thinking like I don't know what's gonna happen. Like God wants me here. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, like I yeah. think a lot of people have that attitude where this is where God's calling me, so we'll see what happens. Which I don't necessarily agree with 100 percent because mm-hmm. you still need to have some type of vision and direction for your life and with God in there, he'll, he'll guide you. Right. Yeah. So I moved up there, like not really knowing like what to do or, or what I was going to do afterwards. I just knew like, I just wanted to be up here, serve the Lord, do this thing and figure it out, which again, isn't the smartest or wisest, but, um, but I think just knowing that I was trying my best to obey God, it was going to work out. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it did. Right. So, okay. So now what's the next kind of milestone after that? So how long were you at Mammoth? And then what was sort I was of the there next for a total milestone? Of two and a half years. Okay. And the next major milestone was meeting my wife. Uh-huh. Mrs. Chan. Jeremy, I think you should, you should take this one. Yeah. Put me in the game coach. Okay. I got the mic now. So tell us about it. Yeah. Okay. So, um, and again, this is like how God works, right? Like if I chose to stay in LA and work for Red Bull, I never would have met Rihanna. So it's wild. So I was up there for, I think at the time it was a little over a year I had been there. And I made some friends up there and whatnot. And Rihanna and her friend had come up because Rihanna was about to go on a six month foreign mission trip to uh, Romania, no, Nigeria. She had done one in Romania prior. So that's why I got it mixed up. But um, she came up to visit a friend named David, whom I had become friends with. And he actually was in my wedding. But um, so unbeknownst to each other, like Rihanna and I, uh, we had this mutual friend up here. So she came up to visit him to say goodbye before she left for Nigeria. And I met her at the church, the local church I was going to. Um, Funny enough, I like didn't really care to talk to her. <laughs> um, not that I didn't like, whatever, not that I wasn't attracted to her or anything, but I was more, I was like thinking business and her friend was an assistant or was a youth pastor's assistant at a church here in San Diego. And so I'm thinking, I need to talk to you and figure out how you can get <laughs> the youth group <laughs> to this camp. <laughs> so I just, you know, was cordial to Rihanna, but I was like, okay, your friend, what's your story? <laughs> you know? So that's when we met. Um, and naturally, like, I'm thinking, you're from San Diego. I don't, I know I'm not going to see you again because I have no connection or ties to San Diego at all at this point. I'm living in Mammoth. I don't know what I'm doing afterwards. I'm not going to see you again. Mm-hmm. So uh, about a year went by, and then we reconnected through Facebook as things go nowadays. <laughs> and, um, and, it's funny because she should hear she should share her story of this conversation because it's a little different than my version. <laughs> but uh, I That's say that she like messaged me and was like, "Hey, you're you're David's friend, right? Like we met." And I'm like, "Yeah, like blah blah blah. Like we met in Mammoth and this and that." And long story short, we ended up being in Los Angeles at the same time for this one particular weekend. Okay, hold on, a few questions. Yeah. So, did she actually message you first? Like, why would she Yeah, because tell her personality is like, I would never, ever just accept a random friend request from some guy I met one time. Again, I'm pretty sure this was the guy, like, throwing me a bone here. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so, like, yeah, she messaged me first is my... That's your interpretation. My, my recollection. Okay, but we don't actually know the truth. The truth is... No, the truth is she did message me. Uh-huh. Okay. Because well, I was... But well, the thing was... I I'll was, text I guess, her. I have a number. I'll ask her. Yeah, go ahead. No, I think it's because, like, she says it's because I was, she noticed, like, me liking all of her, all these, like, pictures or something, or statuses of her. There we go. Always a good strategy. I guess so. I did send the friend request first to her. Okay. Yeah. Next question. You said you happened to be in L.A. So, is that, like, orchestrated? It just, you know, like, let's <laughs> no, be real. I didn't, I didn't know she was in L.A. or that she was going to be. I was there for, for um, some work or something like that that I had to do for the camp. Um, and again, I live in LA, so kind of like a, you know, family visit and stuff like that. So like one of those things to where like you're in LA, make a Facebook post, she sees it like, oh, Mr. <laughs> Chan, like, let me come see you. Like, how did that all? That's pretty much, that's really close. Um, so she messaged me <laughs> and was like, hey, basically I think it was like, why are you creeping on me? 
was probably like her, you know, her underlying motivation to, to ask me and figure out who I was. But, um, but me being me, I was like, Hey, I'm in LA. You're in LA. Like, let's try to hang out. Like, that's how I always was, whether it was a guy or with guys or girls, I was always like, dude, let's just hang out. So to me, it was never like, and this is like a boundary thing, right? Like we could have another, again, another conversation about it. But, um, I didn't have like the strongest boundaries when it came to like social engagement with girls. So I was like, Hey, let's, let's hang out. Like if you're available. And, uh, so we made plans to get lunch after church on Sunday. And that's kind of, that's kind of when like it really kicked off. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, <laughs> it's funny you say that because when she walked into the restaurant, I forgot she told me that she had a twin sister. So when the twin walks in and she walks in, I'm like, "Oh shoot, which <laughs> one is so it?" Funny. I couldn't. I uh, didn't know for like the first I don't know two minutes until they started talking. Okay, hold on. Do Do you watch The Office? Yes, I, mean, I do. Okay. Do you remember the episode where, like, Michael gets kind of like a little bit drunk and he has a bunch of people come to the office and then there's these two Asian girls and he can't remember which one he's like trying to hit on. So he marks her with, with a marker. <laughs> no, I don't remember that one. Okay. That sounds hilarious. But was there any way that you like had to like distinguish between one or the other or was it just it like, was, like, it was her voice, I think, or, or it might've even been until I waited for her to introduce her sister. Mm, okay. So then you're like, okay, so now this one's Rihanna, this yeah. one's yeah, uh-huh. okay. like based on what she wore and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah. 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 The funny thing is I hit it off I hit it off really well with her twin sister and her other younger sister that was also there. Ooh, uh which one was that? It was Tasha, her twin, and then Natalie. Natalie. Yeah. Because and this is like me being a little sly, but I was playing the card of if I can get in with the family, mm. I can get in. There we go. So um so there was already romantic there was something going on. Yeah. I mean, it was like, I want to see where this goes, you know, try to figure out like, if this is a thing. And, um, and, and, you know, if it worked out, it worked out. If not, then whatever. Cause again, I was still living in mammoth. I wasn't living in LA and she's living in San Diego. So we went to BJ's in Simi Valley there or not Simi Valley. Sorry. Um, I don't know. Woodland Hills or something. If you're familiar with the one eight. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Wrong crowd. Um, but it was cool. We, uh, you know, we ate, spent like maybe 45 minutes eating, but we ended up being at the restaurant for like four hours. Dang. Just talking, chatting. And again, mostly talking like her sisters, not really her <laughs> so much. And uh, yeah. And then I guess she, on the drive home, her sisters were like, dude, that guy is awesome. Like you need to reach out to lock, him. Lock it in. Yeah. Yeah. And again, her personality is like not to do that. Like she's not um, the type to put herself out there like that. But she ended up texting me and I was like, hey, I wanted to let you know my sisters wanted me to tell you that <laughs> they think you're awesome. So here I am telling you. That's awesome. So it was really, really cool and flattering, you know. And then I also thought my plan worked. <laughs> <laughs> I got in with the family. I'm in. Cards have been played. So... That's so kinda, yeah. Wh- so what was next? Like what? How to progress and yeah. yeah. So um, we basically I you know I went back to Mammoth and we're we're texting, we're talking and stuff like that. And um, and then I don't know. I think maybe like a couple of months later, I decided, hey, I wanna I wanna come down and take you on a date for like the weekend. And she's like, no, no, <laughs> <laughs> you can't do that. I was like, no, I'm going to do that. She's like, no, it's okay. I was like, I'm insistent. I'm going to come. And she's like, all right. So, because we had been talking, you know, like up until this point. And so I literally saved up all the money I had made <laughs> in like two months. Like the 400 bucks? Yeah, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> you know, the first month's paycheck went to gas to get me to San Diego and back up to Mammoth. And That's then the funny. second paycheck was to pay for everything while I was down there. That's funny. Um, but, uh, but it was awesome. I mean, we just hit all up hit up all these local spots in La Mesa and, uh, and throughout San Diego. I love them, like her favorite spots. And she's like a great, she was a great hostess and she still is Like she has a spirit of hospitality. It's so awesome. And, um, and I got a taste of it when I first hung out with her. So 
Born on this date, all over San Diego. Fell in love with San Diego because I never really spent time down here. And then I guess at the end of it, and I remember this part a little vaguely. She does it. She remembers it pretty well. But I guess at the end of it, when I was about to leave, I was like, "Hey, let's let's, let's pray." <laughs> That's a great strategy, to <laughs> be honest. Yeah, like <laughs> just just wait. It, it, it gets better. So I'm like, "Let's pray for a little bit, or whatever." Like just uh, whatever. Close out the night in the evening. And I guess I had said something about Lord. Just pray that uh, I go home with a girlfriend. <laughs> I threw lines out. Like okay, that's kind of bad. Honestly. <laughs> it wasn't as blatant, I don't think, uh, or as blunt, but it was something similar. And you know, we had a conversation. It was like, end of the day, she said yes, and so I went back to Mammoth with a girlfriend, and um, and so we dated for like long distance. Um, dated long distance for about six months, and I decided, okay, I want to move this forward, so I need to do something. With the way like the seasons go up there and, and the busyness, I knew I had to get there or get down to San Diego before the winter season started because summer was already – at this time when we had hung out, it was like uh, – it was April. And so I knew like the summer was already busy. I knew winter was going to be even more busy, so I had to make a move sooner than later to pursue this girl and to grow our relationship and, and make something happen. So I made the decision to move down to San Diego with no job lined up, no place to live lined up, and again, like, no money, basically. But I knew I wanted to be with this girl, and I knew I had to get it going. So um, so you left Mammoth, you were done, right? Yeah, and I also was released by, released, so to speak, right, by... Um, by God. By what? <laughs> by God. By God, yeah. And, I mean, essentially, yeah, you know, the people that I was working with... Um, they were like my spiritual parents and they were like, yeah, you totally have our blessing to go. We feel like now it's a good season. Now's a good time. So I did it. And when I first came, I lived in an RV <laughs> on, um, my old boss's like sister's property wow. and, um, driving a car that like ate up too much gas and I'm driving all far. And anyway, um, but again, God worked it out and made a way, made it happen. And, um, it was, the day before our one-year anniversary, I proposed um, at Cabrillo National Monument. And then six That's months cool. later, we got married. <clears throat> so we're fast. So looking back at it, like, do you think moving back without a job, without a place to live, like, do you think, wow, I was dumb? Like, would you <laughs> advise someone you're mentoring now to do that? Like, what are your overall like thoughts about that? I know it worked out. Like, yeah, but it worked out. And it's hard to answer that because, you know, the uh, – the dad in me wants to be like, that was a dumb thing. Don't do that. Mm -hmm. But then it worked out, you know, like God had his hand in it. And we never really know. It's like hindsight's twenty twenty. But even then it's like, you never really know because you don't know how God's working out. And I'm not saying that I like was the most obedient or the most faithful to God in this season, but I guess there was something where he really wanted us together and made it work. So, um, so I don't know, like it's hard to say. I mean, I think I would for sure encourage someone in that similar position to make sure they have some type of authority figure to submit to and to get counsel from, but instead of just doing it on their own whim. And did you have that or no? I did. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was the, um, my employers at the camp. Again, they were like my spiritual parents mm -hmm. and, um, and you know, I'm talking to them throughout the whole thing, the whole process. And so they know what's going on. They know what's in my heart and they're the ones that helped me get, you know, started essentially in San Diego by letting me stay at their sister's house and stuff like that. So, okay. um, the job thing was different. I mean, I spent like, it was like a full-time job looking for a job for the first couple of weeks living here mm -hmm. or the, actually the first couple of months, I think. Um, so it wasn't, it for sure wasn't the wisest decision, but I knew like, I felt like the Lord was saying, this is, this is who you need to be with. So figure it out. Mm -hmm. So how did you decide, um, that she was the one like how did you decide you wanted to propose and like when was that moment oh man the moment i knew she was the one was i remember like really really vividly i was in a restaurant called alberto's <laughs> i might have or maybe it was a, different. <laughs> a taco shop it was a taco shop in mammoth <laughs> That's funny. i was sitting with a friend he said restaurant matt vogel we're having like That's you know some enchiladas and i was sharing with her i was sharing with him uh about rihanna and I remember there was one point in the conversation Rihanna and I had that I told Matt where she said, because it was always a struggle for me to to be dating her because I wasn't making any money. 
and she was making the money. So traditionally, it was like, I'm not doing a good job as a guy. And so I, we, her and I had these conversations. And I remember one point she said, I don't care. It doesn't matter like what you do, how much you make, or whatever like that. As long as you're obeying the Lord, like I'm proud of you, and I'll be happy with who you are and what you're doing. So I shared that with Matt, and I told Matt at this taco shop over at Enchilada <laughs> that this is the girl like I want to marry. Like I can't get any better than that. Like a girl who will go with me, follow me, and be with me no matter what, as long as I am doing the same for God. And um, that was the moment where I knew I wanted to marry her. And that's when I think it became more real to actually move out of Mammoth and pursue my relationship with her. So um, six months later, um, I mean, everything I did up until that point was, or after that, when I moved, or excuse me, everything I did after I moved was with the purpose of proposing and getting Mm -hmm. married. So again, I didn't pay like a month's rent so I could buy <laughs> an engagement ring. <laughs> Thankfully, I had good good roommates that understood where I was coming from. But yeah, that's funny. So fast forward to get married. Um, like, what were the early days like? Being married was it hard? Was it easy? Um, how was it for you guys? Um, and it was exciting for sure. You know, like going to bed, waking up, and she's still there. You know, it was definitely fun, definitely exciting. It was interesting because i still didn't have like a steady job like i never really had a steady job like i worked somewhere and got like laid off or transitioned or something like that so i was always like what are we doing and even with church we were like are we going to stay at foothills or not because she wasn't working there yet and i was new so we felt it could have been a good time to find Mm -hmm. a different church and uh so it was like it was great but at the same time we were like Like, how are we going to want to start our life together? Like, where do we want to go? What do we want to do? And we're just kind of, like, floating around waiting for something to happen. Hmm. Um, Where did you guys, like, live? In a granny flat apartment, home? You weren't working, so. What's that? Well, you weren't working a lot. I'm just curious. I wasn't working a lot. But when we got married, I ended up getting a job. I got a job that helped pay for our marriage, which we paid for out of pocket, everything. You mean the wedding, right? Yeah, sorry. Okay, <laughs> marriage wedding. Oh, an odd way to say synonymous. it. Synonymous. <laughs> <laughs> Pay for our marriage. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but we moved into a, a two-bedroom apartment in downtown La Mesa, which is like, it was a great location, great rent, um, awesome neighborhood. And we were like, we were just super pumped. Super cool. pumped where we were living. All right. Um, well, we can move on a little bit to the next kind of step. I, I'm I'm actually curious because I'm in the early days of marriage right now. And so I'm curious, like, okay, so th- this is something that Monique and I have, have observed. Mo- Monique's my wife. Rihanna is your wife. We should have established that a long time ago, but you'll figure it out. You're fine. <laughs> uh, but so many people have come up to us and they're like, how's it going? You guys are married. You know, so we, right now it's, what is September now? We've been married for uh, almost seven months. And they're like, have you had your first blowout fight yet? And we're like, blowout fight what but i mean how did you guys get anything like that or was it like did any like fights escalate or i don't know conflict because i mean you live together there is like some part of that where you're like get off the toilet or get out of the shower (laughs) i need to use it you know (laughs) or get on the toilet yeah yeah (laughs) hurry up yeah um for sure i mean everybody who's married is gonna come across that because you have two completely different personalities coming together and trying to become one and Rihanna and I both have super strong personalities. And so it was, you know, of course the honeymoon phase, even like for dating is so different. It, it, yeah. <laughs> it clouds everything. Yeah. And the realism comes out or the realness comes out when you're married and you're actually like, Oh, we're, we're living together. It's not just like rainbows and butterflies now. Mm-hmm. So we definitely had our fair share and still do of arguments, disagreements. Yeah. Um, and I spent a lot of time going for walks because <laughs> she would kick me out <laughs> in the nicest way. Right. Like you can't in be a good here way. because I'm yeah. so mad at you right now. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I'll just go for a walk, I guess. Or I'll go for a walk because I can't, I'm too mad or too angry yeah. to figure this out. So yeah, for sure. Okay, cool. Um, Let's talk about Shiloh. I'm I'm actually, this is like a little bit more than Africa. I'm actually super curious about your guys' decision to have kids 
and like the timing of it and just like becoming a dad. Uh, but like, I mean, did you guys have a point where like, we're going to wait a year or two before the kids or what was that like? I think, well, Shiloh is my daughter. For those of you listening. Yes. She's like the cutest baby in the entire world. Just FYI. Good, good job. It's pretty true. No bias aside. Yeah. Um, just looking very, yeah. <laughs> Apparently Corey really, really likes Shiloh. No, no, no. I'm just, I'm just saying. Which is fine. Well done. Well done. Thank you. You guys made very cute kids. Thank you. Uh, she, she is great. Ball of energy. Um, but to answer your question, I think Rihanna's always wanted kids. I mean, grew up in a big family, always wanted kids. I grew up in a semi big family, but never really thought seriously about kids. Hmm. And, um, and I think after about a year of, of being married, we, we thought, okay, we want to, we want to grow our marriage. We want to grow our family. And obviously the way to do that is to have kids or adopt or something or other. Um, and, uh, but and then what's funny is I didn't realize like it actually doesn't just happen right away. Yeah. Like I yeah. thought, you know, you see like, oh, they have sex once and they're pregnant. And that's <laughs> it. That wasn't really the case for us. Yeah. Um, it actually was really hard for us to get pregnant. Hmm. And it actually, we actually had a miscarriage um, with our first, uh, hmm. wow. our first pregnancy, which is really, really hard. Yeah. But it was also, again, God working out for our good because it, it took us to a level a lot quicker and a lot sooner than if it happened later on or something more tragic happened on later in our marriage. Right. Hmm. Within like the first year that happened. Yeah. First couple of years. So, um, but then, you know, God redeemed the situation and we got pregnant with Shiloh just uh, about a year later or so. Yeah. Cause that happened in, Actually, I don't remember exactly when it happened. So you guys were, were married for a year About and a then year. decided, okay, we want to start having kids, a miscarriage, and then maybe like a, a year after. A yeah, because I think it was springtime when the miscarriage happened, and then she got pregnant in the wintertime. Hmm. Uh, so, and then we had Shiloh that, that September, or the following September. Yeah. Okay, so, so, so Shiloh is birthed. What is going through your, through your brain? holy smokes <laughs> this is actually happening <laughs> yeah like it was like this is real like this is like this is my daughter you know it was really like leaving me speechless yeah yeah it yeah. was just like oh my gosh this is real like i really gotta <laughs> if i haven't already i really gotta get my act together <laughs> yeah 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 finally yeah um okay so so you have Shiloh, I mean, taking her home, like, I mean, one of, one of the things I always wonder about is like becoming a dad. So uh, this is also part of the reason why we started the podcast was because when I got married to Monique, it was sort of like this realization of like, holy crap, I have to be a husband now. You know what I mean? I'm like, I have to like really be a, a quote unquote man. You know what I mean? Like there's no more, like you're just, you know, living at your parents' house and you're working or you're just going out and having fun and you're figuring out your career. It's like you have an obligation to another person. Like you are supposed to join persons. So that was sort of a a hard realization for me was like, okay, now I have to adopt this new identity as a husband, as a provider. And as you know, now as like the second half of my wife. Um, but was there a sort of a similar transition that you went through in becoming a dad? Yeah, for sure. Cause like I said, even when we were dating, it was like hard for me to, to not me making any money yeah, and not feeling like I was providing for us or for her, you know? And so when Shiloh came around, it was, it was going to put it back on the radar. Like this is real. Like I really gotta, I, it's true. I really have to step it up. Got like big shoes to fill and know that this is my family now and having that mindset shift of, yeah, like I, this is my family. I need to care for them. I need to take care of them. And if I don't, then that's, that's not what I was created for. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 So now Shiloh is, uh, how old is she? She's going to be three in two days. Three. Okay. Describe your relationship with her and just being a dad to her. Um, I think it's awesome. Not, I don't think it's aw- It's <laughs> not that I think it's awesome. I was going to say two different things. <laughs> I think it's awesome. No, it is awesome. And I find myself being more of like, uh, I play with her a lot. I like to think so. 
um, and living in Kenya, it's like you we're it's just the three of us. Yeah. Yeah. And so we're always hands on with her, always involved with her. And so I'm playing with her a lot um, and really trying to shepherd her heart, you know, like trying to want her to obey and get her to understand why we should do these things. Hmm. And then also at the same time, mirroring the biblical principles of how we are to have a relationship with God. Yeah. Our father. So um, it's a little bit of both. I mean, she's still young to really comprehend a lot of it, but at the same time, I'm still trying to instill these things early on. Hmm. But yeah, our relationship is great. Um, I definitely am glad that we're in the field because I can be more, I am more involved in her in her life than if I was living in the States, working hmm. typical nine to five, eight to five, come home by six, and only have like, I don't know, four or five hours, a couple hours waking yeah. hours with her yeah. to fly out to Libra again. Yeah, okay. Well, I, w- I really want to get into Africa. And and this is part of all, like, okay, my next question, and then I'll hand it to Jeremy. But, uh, I mean, you're moving to Africa. I want to know the decision behind it and everything. But, like, taking Shiloh to Africa, which is, like, mind-blowing. You know what I mean? Yeah. So was that a question, or do you want me to expound on that? Yeah, just expand. <laughs> so I think what really helped settle it for us was talking to Rihanna's friend, whose mom had told her, when she was born or had said when she was born that this child is coming into our lives. Um, like this child is being born into lives of your mom and dad. And so for, uh, for me at least it's really stuck with me in thinking, okay, like because Shiloh's born, because a kid is born, we're not necessarily having to change our lives for the sake of the child. And um, the truth is like, we're the parents, the child's our child. She's going to go where we go, whether she wants to or <laughs> likes to or not. And so in moving to Kenya and in deciding to move to Kenya, it wasn't, it was never a, like having Shiloh was never a, um, a deterrent from mm-hmm. our desire to she be She goes where you go. Yeah. You know, like she was, she would come along for the ride. Mm-hmm. It was like, no question about it. And if this is what God wanted us to do, then it'll work out. Mm-hmm. That's it. Sorry. I have more questions. I think that's, well, that's really interesting because. I mean, just sort of observing right outside, looking in a little bit, maybe there's some bias in here, but it seems like the cultural standard is that when you have kids, the kids either become your world and like they are everything, they're your entire life purpose and meaning and everything revolves around them, or they're sort of like a burden and now like you can't do the things that you want to do. But this is completely different than both of those because like you said, Shiloh's coming into your life as a parent. And so it's, it's a completely different mindset, right? Where you're not thinking about, and that's, I'm really glad that you said that because that's almost like the, the mentality that I subscribe to going into that question was, you know, you're taking Shiloh and I'm thinking like Shiloh is the center of this whole thing, but in reality it's God's plan for your life and you as parents, that's the center of, of your life. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, God is like the center. So everything we're doing, whether we're raising Shiloh, whether we're moving or whatever, mm-hmm. whatever job we're getting, it's to make sure like, okay, God, are we honoring you with what you're giving us? And are we doing what you want us to do? And so it's really unfortunate. Um, I know it's different for non-Christians, but in general, it's unfortunate when people have that mentality of, I don't want to have kids because it's going to it's gonna interfere with my life. Yeah. Well, that's fine. They don't have kids. But like, if you choose to have kids, don't have that attitude because that you're choosing to make them part of this life of yours now. It's not like, like, oh, surprise. <laughs> like, no, you kind of were expecting it. Even yeah. if you weren't planning on having kids, but you're still having sex, like, it's, you know, it's a natural reaction of that. Right. So what was great for us is we never felt like we couldn't do what we normally did before having kids hmm. once we had Shiloh. Yeah. You know, we still did everything. We still went... Like on hikes, we still went to the beach. And if anything, the beach is more fun now, you know. Um, And she, like even just yesterday, she wanted, I took her surfing. That's awesome. Sort (laughs) of. It was interesting. But but it it never changed what we were doing. And obviously moving to Kenya is a big, big blatant example of that. Yeah. And so for sure, having Shiloh is just, again, part of the whole thing. 
and it wasn't going to stop us from obeying the Lord and doing mm-hmm. what he wants us to do. Yeah. That's pretty powerful. Okay. Talk about Africa. Any more questions, Corey? No, I'm done. Cool. I'm back in the game. Um, so tell us about Kenya. Uh, before we started recording, we were talking a little bit of how that started, but you know, say it again, just what started that and what prompted it and, and yeah, how did it happen? Yeah. So for those of you listening, um, Rihanna and I are training youth leaders and youth pastors, um, giving them biblical training in youth ministry um, as part of a program that Foothills Church has there called Youth Venture. So those of you who may know what Youth Venture is here in the States, in Kenya, it's a Bible school uh, program in, or Bible club, excuse me, program in the schools. So we have like, I don't know, so we're in like 16 different counties in Kenya and then a couple in Uganda and we're training like team like an entire team of like 150 people to do these programs and to do youth ministry and stuff like that so in July of 2016 we were asked by the church to lead a team of discipleship students to Kenya after not having been there for like 10 years and we were just given the opportunity to see it, to check it out, to, to see what's going on. And, um, and at that time we rely, we were told that, uh, someone needed to come and kind of replace the current leadership that was in there. Mm-hmm. And so Rian and I had always talked about wanting to do foreign missions work. And so when this conversation came up, we looked at each other and said, Oh, it's a possibility. We'll just, we'll table it, you know, save it for later and come back to it when we feel like God's calling us to do it. So, um, so that's kind of what started it. Mm. Um, and then in December we reconnected with that leader who came out to San Diego and he pressed the more urgent need for someone to come sooner than later. And so Rihanna were like, oh, well maybe, maybe this is God. We don't know. So mm-hmm. we took the next couple of months praying about it, seeking counsel. And, um, that was December. And in February, the very beginning of February, we made the decision to do it. Wow. Crazy. So, um, once you guys, well, first of all, in February you decided, um, so once you decided, when did you actually get on a plane and move? That following October. Okay. So the same year we decided, yeah, we did it. And once you got there, like, what was it like getting started? Easy, hard, like what you expected? What was it like? Yeah, it was a little bit of everything. I mean, we... Thankfully, we had been there a year before, so we had an expectation of what to of what to expect. If that makes sense, mm-hmm. it's kind of redundant, but you know what I mean. Uh, we knew what to expect, um, but it was so hard being away from all of our friends and family. And we have such a strong community at Foothills. We have so many, so many people that we love, and so many people that love us, including you guys. And it was so hard to to leave all that and to figure out: Are we going to have something like this here? When is we? When are we going to see them next? Etc. So it was definitely challenging, definitely difficult, but um, but it definitely, I mean, it sounds cliche, but it helped bring Rihanna and I closer together because we were all we had and all we have. So is that the hardest part, like not being with those you love, and or what would you say is the hardest part of living? I there? think it is for sure. I mean, we get like intermittent power, you know, on a daily basis. The power goes out. Mm-hmm. We can't drink the tap water, but like stuff like that is situational i mean all of it's situational but it doesn't affect our heart Hmm. like not being close to our friends and family Hmm. and so that for sure is probably the hardest part is is the community aspect and the fellowship aspect Hmm. now god's being faithful to us and and we're growing that that part of it Mm -hmm. which has been awesome but i don't think it'll ever replace or or be different from what we have here in san diego that's cool you know, it's funny. I so I actually have two siblings that live in South Africa, uh, kind of doing the same thing that Jeremy's doing, um, as you know, missionaries helping helping church plants and whatnot. And uh, so you'd think that I'm like used to that, and I am. But still talking to you, I'm super like interested and I have all these questions, even though I do have a brother and sister that both separately live in South Africa. Um, but it's, it's still cool to hear your perspective. Um, what's it like with Shiloh, I and mean, how is that? And um, do you feel feel like fearful? You know, you have to protect her. I mean, because it's not always safe. Like, what's that like? And Shiloh is definitely the life of the party wherever she goes, <laughs> whether it's <laughs> domestically or, or internationally. Um, but as a father and as a parent, we are, you know, we we don't consider ourselves helicopter parents here in America. In fact, we probably are less 
like a little more liberal in our parenting, so to speak, with like her like and stuff. But over there, it's like we just have to be more on the ball with her for her safety, and because she can get overwhelmed with like all the people that come and swarm her, mm-hmm. especially if we go into a school and the kids are like touching her and and petting her hair, and because they they rarely ever, mm-hmm. if ever, see mm-hmm. a non black baby yeah so um, we're definitely more like on it but um but it's still awesome being Mm. there with her i mean she's like god cannot have given us a better baby or child to to take to kenya Mm. that's cool um i wanted to ask a little bit about like the day-to-day kind of what you guys do so you said um you're in charge of a team i think of 150 you said and um you help train and equip like what's it like day-to-day um, what, what makes your schedule like, what's it just like overall? Yeah. So in general, um, and to clarify, we're not, we're not leading or directing or doing anything in like management there. Mm. We, and we've had to make this clarification with our teams there too, but we're there just to train and teach these folks and these team members, um, the curriculum and, and give them biblical training as in youth ministry. But our day to day is really consisted of preparing and planning for these training meetings like traveling to these different counties, um, coordinating with the national directors on communication and mentoring them even. Um, And then domestic things like going to the market to buy produce or going to the store, um, running miscellaneous errands. The thing is living there, it like takes, you can't have a to-do list of like 10 things to do in one day. Like you'll be lucky if you check off one and a half of those things. So, you know, it, it's definitely a shift in productivity. Um, but it's, it's really cool to, to be able to adapt to that and, and figure it out. So do you actually interact with a lot of the kids you work with or mainly the team that you're, um, training or kind of, yeah. Yeah. So we don't, we, when we go to the schools, we do, you know, we'll, we'll say hi to the kids and we'll, we'll hang out with them and things like that. But our main purpose there is to mostly be with the the team members who are part of the youth adventure ministry. So we're mostly interacting with the county leaders. And then if we're training each of their teams, then we're interacting yeah. with their teams. That's cool. All right. Um, I also wanted to ask, what, what would you say um, would be like the biggest challenge you faced either for yourself or with your family, like just in that environment? Or what has the Lord been showing you and bringing up? Something that our mentor over there in Kenya, who was used, who used to kind of oversee the youth venture program, told me was that he he always felt like God was taking him to Kenya to for him to change the culture, to change the people. When in actuality, God brought him there to change himself, and that's something that's really stuck with me, and I think it's really true and happening. So whether instead of like me going over there or us going over there to do something for that Kenyans, um, I'm pretty sure it's like God taking us over there to do something in my heart and work on my heart and kind of grow me a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, so what are some of the things that the Lord has been showing you and challenge? I mean, like how you felt that you've grown and changed as Uh, a man since you've been there? Yeah. That's a pretty pretty (laughs) heavy question. But, uh, I think a big part of it is um, just even in my personality, like I'm a very strong, I I have a very strong personality and like boisterous and gregarious, but, um, and can be pretty brash and and harsh a lot of times. And so the Kenyans are very gentle people, Hmm. um, just like super welcoming and, and soft spoken and things like that and very kind. And so you can't be that way. You can't be how I am towards them or they, otherwise they shut down and it's not conducive to anything. So in one area, God's definitely working on me to be softer, be more kind, um, and, uh, and gentle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we've, I mean, I don't know the exact numbers. I feel like it's a different number that we hear every time, but like just the amount of impact that the youth venture ministry as a whole is like you said, so you're, you're not in a management position. You're a part of a team that's helping train and equip the youth venture team there, but the youth ministry as a whole, I mean, what is the impact that they're having on Africa right now? Yeah. So in, I guess in terms of numbers, um, it's, it's hard to tell it's, it was hard to know because we were getting inaccurate reports, but now that we've kind of cleaned up a little bit, I think we're about in like, uh, what's the number? 
trying to think. I have a number in my head, but I don't remember exactly which it is. Um, but we're reaching like over 30 something thousand students. Wow. Um, between the two countries. Wow. And in hundreds of schools. I mean, some schools have between like five and 800 students. Some yeah. have like 1200 students. So, you know, we're in like 16 different counties and probably, I don't know, five to 10 schools in each one. I think one school or one county, we're reaching like 12,000 students alone. Wow. So, yeah it's, yeah, it's pretty big. Yeah. And I think especially like, that's obviously a huge number, but it's also, it can seem like a small number because we're used to such big numbers here in the U.S. But over there, that's like a still of like a really large amount of people, like in such a small area. Am mm-hmm. I right? Yeah. 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 I mean, it's like a school as common as Starbucks here in the States. Yeah. It's like just every, everywhere. You know, and again, there's so many of them because the kids make up 60% of the population over there. Hmm. So wow. you're like walking down the street in the morning when they go to school or in the afternoon when they get off. And it's just like kids flooding the street. It's crazy. Is that because there's a low life expectancy or is that because just the culture and sort of the, it, I, mean, I think it is there was part obviously of the like a, a boom of kids at one point or there's a yeah. continual boom of kids. No, they just, they just believe in like really big families. Huh. I mean, it's rare if you have a family with less than four kids. Wow. Yeah. So it's not hard for them to get pregnant, apparently. No, it's not. That's it's, and I think, which makes it a little taboo if someone does have a miscarriage or something, mm-hmm. you know? But uh, but yeah, Kenyans get pregnant. Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> apparently have no problems. Um, what is, uh, I mean, you obviously met a lot of people. You work with a lot of the team members. I'm curious to know, like, who you've interacted with, what the people are like, who are some of the people that have stuck out with you, you've become close with, um, and just kind of what they're like, what their, what their stories are a little bit. Yeah. So Kenyans are very, again, like I said, they're very welcoming, very hospitable, very kind people. Um, I would be like so mad and upset if someone was rude or something to a Kenyan, Hmm. but, uh, but we're getting really close to, um, to our national directors, um, David Kibet and Felix Assetto, because they've been with the program since the beginning. David was the one who started the program in Kenya by hearing about it. So we're going close to them. And then we have our, you know, our community of friends that are also in Kenya who are also missionaries or humanitarian workers. Mm, so we're getting really close to a couple of those folks that just share either similar beliefs as us or just have similar personalities as us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's been really, really cool to, to see that grow and, f- and foster. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, if you had to sum it up as a whole, I mean, what is, what is God doing in Africa right now? He is preparing this next generation. Hmm. Um, There's, I mean, Kenya is just rampant with corruption. And again, with 60% of the current population being youth, in the next like 10 to 15, 20 years, they're going to be the ones that are going to take over. Yeah, interesting. So to have that much prospect, you know, and potential and to see it go to waste or to fill the shoes of, the current i don't know administration and generation in the same way is not going to be good for the country yeah and so we're not expecting to like change the entire country but if we can change like one out of every 10 kid then there's something there you know and so that's our hope and prayer is that we just reach out to these kids and let them know there's a better way yeah there's there's more hope and and even just like in terms of their life skills and character building it's like there's there's more to it than what you what you know especially because a lot of them don't know they all say you know they're like nominal christians but they don't they don't go in depth with the with the scripture or with yeah. the gospel or anything like that so they need to know really what the bible says and what god says and what his plans are hmm. yeah, that's crazy um well i think we can wrap up but i wanted to ask you this is probably a a, a fastball for you but um I mean, if you had just one thing, like this is your chance, right? You're on a podcast. If you had one <laughs> chance, what? Yeah, you, you've made it big. You're on the big stage. <laughs> no, but I mean, speaking to the next generation of Christian men and men as a whole, I mean, if you had to just say like one thing or a couple things of advice, like what, I mean, what would you say of an encouragement? First, it would be to find yourself a good mentor hmm. or spiritual father that you can submit to and humble yourself before um, because you don't know it all. 
Yeah. Yeah. You know, as much as you think you do, you just don't. And, um, and the second is I'm actually trying to pull it up on my phone here is a memory verse in first Corinthians. Uh, so bear with me. Maybe sure. You can stall a little bit. Do, 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 <laughs> do. Go-to <laughs> That's my go-to. Go-to. It's a cliche. I'm yeah, disappointed I'm really, myself actually. I'm really trying to, I don't really know which, um, which verse it is. So I'm sorry. I went to get it ahead of time and I, that's okay. We, totally we can just forgot. keep stalling. Uh, okay. I found it. First Corinthians sixteen thirteen. Be on a, be on the alert, stand firm in the faith, act like men, be strong, and let all that you do be done in love. Hmm. Um, I want that to be like the anthem of these young men, you know, because it sums up everything that we should and are supposed to do. And um, it's just, yeah, to me, it like it, it just sums up what we need to do, what we should do, the attitude that we should have and and how we should do it all. And um, yeah. And I think that will take us a long way, you know, as young men. That's powerful. Well, Jeremy, thanks so much. Uh, where can people go to learn more about you and the, your ministry? Where can they go to help and support you guys? Because it's not for free and it That's does right. cost money. Um, but where can people go? Yeah. Thanks for the shameless plug. Um, <laughs> Always. I'm all about shameless plugs. <laughs> to be honest, I d- no fear. Yeah. Our, uh, our blog is called The Nation's Calling. So you can find us at www.thenationscalling.com. Cool. There is a button on the website where you can donate if you want to support us, or you can just go to the Foothills Church giving page mm. and earmark any gift with Chan's Kenya, and it'll come to us. Okay, cool. Jeremy Chan, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure uh, signing off. Thanks again. We'll, we'll have to get you back on soon. That'd be great. Thank you, Corey and Jeremy, for having me. Uh, be more than happy to come back anytime. All right. Until then. Peace. Deuces. Peace.